In this episode, I talk to Susie Colley. She advises her clients on the best PMI, critical illness and income protection products to meet their needs. And she uses her nursing experience to give them expert help when and if they claim. Listen to Susie talk about the state of the PMI and critical illness markets and her ideas for future growth. Hear about how she goes beyond expectations with the added value services she gives her clients. That's all right here in episode 81 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. Welcome folks to the Empath Podcast. Thanks, as always, for taking the time to download or stream this episode and for putting me and my guests into your earphones. If you enjoy the podcast, if it gives you ideas or helps you in any way, please can I ask you to share it with a friend or colleague? One is just fine. Either send them a quick email with a link to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF or tweet them the link or whichever social media platform you prefer. It'll help grow the audience, attract more guests, and keep the ideas and the insights flowing. This week, I'm going to the Life Search Awards in London, an event that's been running for 13 years. It was at the awards two years ago, when I was the keynote speaker and compare, that the Empath podcast idea was born as I chatted to advisors over beers afterwards. Since then, the podcast has grown and grown, so I'd just like to thank you again for all your support. If you want to be a guest on the show, visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF where you'll find information about how I record the show and how to get in touch and how to secure your place as an interviewee. So this week we return to pure protection with a great interview with the award-winning Susie Colley. Susie runs West Country Healthcare. Having had 25 years in the nursing profession, she does the legwork for her clients in finding the policies that will work for them and deliver exactly what they want at a price that suits their pocket. She's committed to demystifying the jargon, explaining the underwriting and explaining the benefits of the policy what's included and what isn't. Susie believes that insurance services shouldn't stop at the point of purchase. West Country Healthcare's USP is the personal care each and every client receives for the lifetime of their policy. The winner of numerous industry awards, Susie is also the chair of the Torquay Chamber of Commerce. So let's get into that interview with Susie right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. And so Susie, welcome to the Empath podcast. Thank you very much indeed, Roger, and good morning to you. Good morning, Susie. Now, tell me, where am I Skyping you from this morning? I was going to say wonderful downtown, beautifully sunny Torquay, but it's um, nice and cloudy and just about to start raining, I think. But I'm down here in the south coast, um, very balmy. Um, it was yesterday. It's a little bit frigid around the fingers this morning, but it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, pretty similar up here in Edinburgh. So we're actually quite a long way away from each other. Susie, we've got quite a lot of things to talk about today. You're a specialist healthcare 
intermediary, you talk about private medical insurance, you talk about income protection, you talk about critical illness cover, and we might actually get into a little bit of detail about critical illness cover this morning. But before we get to that, why not tell the listeners of the Empath Podcast a little bit about yourself, where you came from, where you're going, what your ambitions are, and basically, what makes Susie Collie tick? Oh, gosh, how long have you got, Roger? It's very long and sometimes fairly boring story. Um, I'm a nurse by profession. I I trained in the East End of London um, way back when the Cray twins were still stomping the earth, bless them. Um, I did my training there. Um, I went out to Australia on one of the um, £10 assisted passage boats as as working nurse. So I nursed lots of immigrants out to Australia. I worked in Australia for two and a half years, came back, did my midwifery, um, and then trailed around various hospitals up and down the country, including the Western General in um, Edinburgh, where I I did a lot of neurosurgery, which I loved. That was my um, absolute cream of a job. Then I came down to London and I worked at the Wellington Hospital. And that's where I, I really saw the insight into private medical health care. It's, you know, so um, focused on the client or the patient. It's, it's, it's beautiful, as nursing used to be many, many years ago. Then I met my, uh, my husband, who was a GP, and funnily enough, he was down here in Torquay. Well, in Paynton, actually. So I moved down here um, because none of us, neither of us were in our first flush of youth. And we got married, and subsequently we had our one and only daughter, um, Becky, and she is now 32. Wow, gosh, where's the time gone? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was a GP in Paynton, and I looked around for something to do because a GP's wife, you in those days, you had to be on call um, most weekends, etc., etc., etc. And uh, it was the job of looking after my daughter, looking after my husband. And eventually I fell into private medical health insurance Um, and I worked initially for, it was then Norwich Union, it is now Aviva, Mm -hmm. and eventually the the penny dropped that why work for one company? Because when you go into a shoe shop, you don't try the first pair of shoes on, walk out with it. Um, You try many pairs of shoes to see what you want. And that is the ethos, I think, of the Financial Conduct Authority. Treat the customer as you would yourself and try and find them the most appropriate policy for what they want and how much they can afford to pay. And that's the the ethos that I have um, put into West Country Healthcare um, since the early 90s. And that's what makes me tick. It's it's really a continuation of um, my nursing and looking after people. Because how we look after people in West Country Healthcare, we don't just find them a policy, but we're here at the sharp end when they go to claim. Because everybody needs somebody to hold their hand when things are not good. And that's what we do in, you know, down here in, in Torbay. I really like your website, um, Susie, West Country Healthcare. And I've just been looking through it as we were as we were talking in the green room before I hit record. And 
you've got such a story to tell and you've just told us that story but you tell the story on the website as well i love that so you've got you. 1964 still a teenager susie collie begins her nurse training and it takes you through all the way through susie marries her husband a gp and settles in the west country all the way up to and including this incredibly impressive long list of awards that you've won for winner of best critical illness insur- insurance intermediary winner of individual international PMI intermediary, winner of best individual PMI intermediary, etc., etc. How does it feel to be the recipient of so many of these awards, Susie? Um, very humble, to be truthful, because I, I really don't know why I, well, I, I suppose I, I won them because the judges thought that I was the best of the, of the bunch. But I, I think it all goes back to, to my nursing because I treat every single one of my clients as 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 a friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look after your friends and hopefully when times are hard, they look after you. And we all know that, you know, if our car breaks down, the RAC or the AA will come along and, and sort it out. And that's not the end. You know, it's not the end of the world. When you're told you've got breast cancer or you've got bowel cancer where do you start? Where do you go to? Who do you talk to? Your neighbours will be sympathetic to a certain degree and your friends will be so sympathetic to a certain degree, but they don't know what, you, what you're going to get into, where to find another consultant, because I can't refer, obviously, because I'm only an intermediary, uh-huh. but I, with my knowledge now, I can research the best consultants in the country to help these people. And if they're not happy with the, the, the care they're getting, I suggest, I only suggest that they consider saying to their doctors, can I have a second opinion with this consultant? And I'm there with them. I, I talk to them about this particular consultant. I then ring their provider company and I sort out the claim with them. And I hold their hand the whole way through their claim because they can ring me any time of the day or night because those who are really seriously ill, I give them my mobile. Mm-hmm. Because at two o'clock in the morning, when you know that you've got either a hideous operation coming up or you're in the middle of chemo or you're in the middle of radio, radiotherapy, you know, if you haven't got a wife or a spouse or somebody very close to you that you can talk to, and even if you have got those, sometimes people can't talk to those, those closest to them. They can't vocalize their fears. But somebody who's been in nursing for 25 years, I understand them. And I think that's possibly... Um, the strength of West Country Healthcare. It's an interesting picture you've just painted there. And I'm just trying to get my head around it, actually, because I imagine that if you're in a consultant's office um, and he's the deliverer of bad news, you're going to have so much going through your head. You're going to want to know what the prognosis is. You're going to want to know what the treatment might have to be, how long it's going to take. And I imagine that the last thing on your mind is saying to that person who might be coming across as quite intimidating, I want a second opinion. I want somebody else to have a look at this. So I think that what you're offering here, yeah, it's just a very valuable prompt, isn't it, to get people to think, you know, because I I think we're conditioned to think that the NHS is is great and it provides a lot of good service, but there are alternatives. And I think that um, by, by giving people that extra so with you, it's not just about the policy, it's not just about the money, it's not just about the PMI, it's not just about the critical illness. You're genuinely trying to help your customers beyond the financial elements of the policy. And I think that a lot of the time people just take what's said to them 
the first time and think, well, there's just no alternative here. You're absolutely right. And I agree with you. I, I will never decry the NHS because they gave me my training. Uh, yes, they paid me while I worked. And that's what, what everything everybody should be paid when they work. But I learned so much. And the NHS is brilliant. But it's overloaded mm. and people do not have time to sit down and explain things. And you're quite right. When um, patients go and see, sit in front of the consultant, if I know that they're going, I prompt them. I make them take a piece of paper and a pen with them and I make them write down some questions before they even go in. Mm -hmm. And pre if it's preferable that they go with somebody, because I don't know if you know of anybody who's been told that they've got cancer, but nine times out of 10 people go deaf. Yes. They just do not take on board what the consultant is saying. Now, they, the consultant may, in the, in the nicest possible way, use words that that patient has never even heard of. Mm -hmm. And they have no idea what they're talking about. So they come back to me or I ring them if that's what they want me to do because I don't push my services on people and I don't charge. Mm -hmm. I know I'm a bit odd, but I just <laughs> do not charge for my extra service uh -huh. because I feel that if I've earned commission from selling that policy to the client, that is basically my fee for looking after them for the duration. That may sound holier than thou, but it, it's it's the best way of uh, referral. You know, clients refer me without even having to advertise. So that's, you know, that's what I do. So I say to clients, take on board what the, as much as you can from what the consultant's telling you. Then we will discuss it at a later date. And then if it's if the client feels that they want a second opinion, they don't have to ask the consultant. They can ask the GP yeah. because they usually have a very good rapport with the GP. So mm -hmm. they can say to the GP, I like Mr. X very much, but may I have a second opinion? And could you please send me a, send me to Mr. So-and-so? So it's it's really relatively easy. And what's your view, um, Susie, of the current state of the private medical insurance market? One of the reasons I ask um, ask you this is because at the weekend, and I'm sure you read this, there was quite a, um, a forthright article written by Jeff Prestridge saying that he felt that the PMI market was in a little bit of trouble. Um, prices going up, NHS costs going up, and it was almost becoming a product that very few people could afford. Have you noticed that um, trend in the market? To a degree, yes. Um, but again, it's it's because a lot of the the providers, not only in the PMI market, but in the IP market, sorry, income protection market, and in the critical illness market, if you pardon the analogy, lots of providers are getting into bed with each other mm. because they're, obviously their market share is dwindling or their profits are dwindling for what or for whatever reason. So it it takes somebody, and I hate to say it, with a great deal of experience, and I that sounds awfully big-headed, <laughs> like myself. Um, to be able to um, untwangle, for want of a better word, mm -hmm. uh, the policy that will suit the client, but will also suit their budget. Mm -hmm. And it's about looking at, do they need full outpatient? Can they, do they have to go to certain hospitals? 
Yeah. Having having said that, it is absolute requirement that the, the, the PMI that I sell, that the clients must have some facility of being able to go to some of the big London hospitals. Right. Um, because wherever you are in the country, wherever you are in the country, the, the, the nub of the expertise is London. Yes. And there's no two ways about it. And I know if I if I've ever had anything really nasty that's where I go. I go straight up to London because I know the people that I want to see. So therefore, I do the same for my clients. That's that's really interesting. And again, it, 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 these are the little nuggets that you probably don't know as a consumer. Yes, mm. I, I suppose it would seem to be like common sense that some of the best medical expertise is going to be in London. But I'm sure that people who live in Manchester or Leeds or Glasgow probably think that they're quite um, well served up there. But there may just be a condition that they may develop which would necessitate a trip down to London to find the best consultant. And if their policy doesn't cover that, then they might not be able to afford that term expertise. Absolutely right. I'm not decrying any consultant anywhere in the country because they're all brilliant at their jobs. But because London is, as I say, the nub of, of medical science in, in the whole world, um, that's where most of the consultants sort of focus. Or if you know you go to London, they may say, well, in actual fact, this particular bit of expertise is best dealt with in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. as the Western General say. Yeah. It depends on that diagnosis. And where I, I think I lead the market in, in niche um, private medical health insurance, because of my 25 years nursing, um, I'm not saying I know all the diseases. No, I don't. But I will understand what exactly it is and then I do my own research if I don't understand what the up-to-date treatment is because obviously the treatments that I was involved with as an as a nurse 30 40 years (laughs) ago obviously have improved considerably to put it mildly so I don't know it all I don't profess to know it all but I have a I think a bigger understanding than let's say these horrendous and I cannot say it more clearly these horrendous compare sites Mm -hmm. because they are so so dangerous because they don't tell people what you don't get and people let's face it we're all the same we look at the bottom line what is the cost oh that'll do 18 pounds a month that'll be grand that'll that'll cover me won't it no it won't no it won't it won't cover you for you for your pre-existing conditions it won't cover you because you take those little white pills it won't cover you because you don't know the hospitals that you know it doesn't know the hospitals that you want to go to it's a minefield and people then purchase these policies and then feel hard done by when they don't do what they say they were going to do a great point susie we have to be careful of just focusing on the bottom line price because as you say the bottom line price might feel good on the pocket but when it's absolutely necessary when you claim that's when you don't want to start finding out what the restrictions are precisely and of course PMI is only one of the strings to your bow Uh, you're a massive advocate of critical illness cover you've also talked about income protection but you've got a bit of a story to tell about critical illness cover haven't you and why you feel that that is such an important part of somebody's financial portfolio absolutely right Um, regrettably my my husband um, passed away in 1998 um, with an aortic aneurysm regrettably he didn't survive um, the, the, the surgery and although he had life cover and I was left moderately comfortably, he did not have a critical illness policy. 
um, because he, like, and he was in the profession, he, like many, many people, didn't think it was going to happen to him. And many people out there assume that if you have a very bad cardiac condition or a cancer or whatever, you're going to die straight away. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, he did die moderately quickly after, well, during his operation, in actual fact. And that was no uh, reflection on the surgeons for obvious reasons. But a lot of people assume that if you have a cancer or a cardiac condition, you're going to die straight away. And that's fine because your life policy will pay off the mortgage. Um, yes, it'll pay off the mortgage, hopefully. But what about the children? Mm. What about the children? How are you going to pay for the university fees? And in my case, my daughter t had three degrees. And it was a question of uh, shoulders back, knuckle down and get on with it. But if if he'd had a critical illness policy of, let's say, £200,000, that would have been £200,000 would have made an awful lot of difference. And it would make an awful lot of difference to anybody listening to this out there yes. who has children and is going to university. And one of them may succumb to something because a lot of people don't die instantaneously, as I was saying, but they may not be able to work as hard as they were going to do. Yes, you can have income protection and that will give you a certain amount of money for a certain amount of time. But a chunk of money will help enormously in situations where you're battling with a disease, you're battling with your family, you're battling with your finances, and the whole thing becomes a complete nightmare. Why not think about taking out a critical illness for your 18-year-old as they go to university? Because the cheaper you start, the, the premiums can stay level for the entirety of the policy, and then that 18-year-old can add to that policy in years to come, as my daughter did. Mm -hmm. when, she, when she was earning, she took out several more. Yes, she then had the disadvantage she was a little bit older. But I know she has a policy for up to the age of 84 for a critical illness policy. Wow. So it's about planning. And if you start early, the cheaper the premiums. I think starting early is good advice, obviously, and, and we, we've already mentioned price comparison sites. And I think one of the problems that we have with the critical illness market, um, it over and above the fact that a lot of people just don't think they need this because they don't think something will ever happen to them. But the fact is critical illness cover, when compared to life insurance, can appear to be quite expensive. Life insurance premiums have been coming down for many, many years. It's a constant price war effectively and that's meant that the gulf between the cost of life cover and the cost of critical illness has, be has continued to to widen so i think that critical illness can look very expensive compared to life insurance how do you overcome that objection when you're talking to your clients about critical illness cover i basically put them in the position what would what would you do if you couldn't work and your income protection only lasted for a certain amount of time and would only pay a certain amount of bills how much money do you need to be able to support your family support your children if they're going to university i make them sit in front of me and work it out mm -hmm. as as much as they can then i say to them okay fine how much in your budget per month can you afford to throw at this policy? Mm -hmm. And everybody says nothing. <laughs> I mean, that, that, yeah. that's a given. I then say to them, okay, 
let's look at this very sensibly and we then start pairing off what they do want and what they don't want and then I start doing comparisons for them and it's not an instant thing I could do let's say a death or earlier critical illness mm-hmm. um, and that is just that would be one payment so if they 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 died they would get the money or the, the, their uh, relatives would get the money but if they developed a critical illness they would then get that chunk of money but then that of course leaves them exposed when they eventually succumb to the greater um, clouds up above us yeah uh, there is no money left so they they could possibly take out another policy later on because as you said roger life policies are cheap mm. yes that might be then loaded if they've had a major illness but you know that's the, the risk we have to pay we have to look again at the bottom line yeah you can do policies with death or crit- or critical illness and the or and the and are so so important because so many of the big companies are very naughty they say and yes and that those three little letters is possibly a recipe for disaster because you have to make sure that the and means if it's death and critical illness do you get two payouts 90% of these policies the answer is no you only get one payout whichever event happens first so be careful but the secret is look at the price and if it is an and and it is not two pro- policies that it'll be a great deal cheaper than one that is and and means it two policies to pay out mm-hmm. so we can then sort of shuffle it around and you can have a, let's say a life policy at a hundred thousand two hundred thousand to cover your mortgage and you can have fifty thousand pounds let's say for critical illness yeah it's it's not a huge amount of money but it might stave off you know disaster and then i start building you know is it two hundred thousand for life 50 for, for critical illness, 200,000 for life, and 75,000 for, for, for critical illness. Let's build it up and see what the premiums are and see what the client can afford. And then if they're happy, they go ahead. Or we might uh, scrub, you know, the, the 200,000 down for, to life to 100,000. Perhaps their, their spouse has got some, uh, wants some policy as well. It's all about listening to your client, looking at the, what they want, looking at their budget, and basically um, pacing that policy to suit their lifestyle i like that you've reminded me about what i used to call the double bubble effect when i was effectively marketing these products myself when i used to work at um, bright gray and scottish provident i think a lot of people forget that sometimes the death or critical illness policy can actually be around about the same price as the death and critical illness policy. It's a bit like sometimes that joint life insurance policies, which only pay out once, often cost about the same as two separate single life policies that could potentially pay out twice. And it's always worth having a look at those little nuances of the pricing and the benefit structure of the policies that that you're considering. I think that one of the things about critical illness cover as a as a industry providers are perhaps not particularly good at the marketing of these things you know we don't have tv advertising campaigns about critical illness cover and and i have mixed feelings about tv advertising i much prefer content marketing and helping people but do you think there is something that product providers can do more of rather than just focusing on adding conditions to illness policies and and cutting the price 
what more could they do to help you as an intermediary, as an advisor, to spread the word and get more people interested in this sort of um, insurance? I think they, they really need to make it a little, little bit more sexy. They go on and on about private medical health insurance, which, let's face it, that that is, I think, a given in this day and age, because I've said, and I seriously mean it to, to many, many clients, I would rather go hungry than give up my PMI. <laughs> um, I, I really, really would, because I, I have to say the NHS frightens me absolutely witless at the moment, and there's no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. I think with critical illness, it's it's those two words, critical critical illness Mm -hmm. it's it's something that um nobody wants to consider it's not going to happen to me like the road traffic accident it's not going to happen to me yeah i really think in actual fact roger this is a time where tv advertising might help Mm -hmm. because subliminally if we keep on hearing critical illness and make it not such a scary word scary two words then people will accept it more for instance many 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 years ago um when you and I were both a great deal younger. Sorry about that. Um, we nobody took, spoke very much about cancer. No, cancer was ooh that dirty word. I'm not going to discuss it because Mrs. So and So down the road has got it, and we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's the same with critical illness. You can survive with critical illness, but can you survive? Um, logically, sensibly, comfortably with a critical illness if you have no money. Mm. It, and that's that's what it it comes down to money now if the if the providers yes they need to make sure their lists of critical illness are understandable to the man in the street because does he understand hodgkin's lymphoma does he understand some some of the the, the diagnosis make it a little bit more acceptable very similar to the financial conduct authority um i was asked the other day to to give a an overview on the financial conduct authority and I said make them more approachable make them more understandable make them write things in 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 English that everybody understands and that's exactly the same as critical illness make it a little bit more sexy then people will understand that it is there to help them and going back to the and and the or the the provider companies that, that put these policies out they should be absolutely adamant which which policies they are putting forward is it an and is it an or joint lives first event um d- different levels of you know the life and the critical illness the it, the nuances you can go on and on and on and whenever i sit in front of my clients i say this is the first interview of possibly quite a few yeah. because you cannot sell a critical illness policy over the phone you cannot sell it in one interview it is a very complex subject and it has to be explained so that the the client is understanding what they're purchasing when you go to buy a car i don't much about no much about cars myself apart from <laughs> i drive one <laughs> but i need to know what the what the consumption of the the petrol is i want to know if it's got abs i want to know all those sorts of things i want to know the safety features well why don't the provider companies out there make this more um relate this more to critical illness mm-hmm. tell them tell people what they get for their money they get cover they get peace of mind it, it just drives me bonkers that so many providers just assume that the general public understand and they don't and that's why there's not such a good take up so what would be the one thing 
that you would like the listeners of the Empath podcast this morning to take away from all the experience you've had with PMI, critical illness, income protection throughout your career? I think um, the experiences that I've had is that you must listen to your client. You must listen to what they what is important to them because what might what i think is important to them may be totally different what they perceive is important to them and when we've got an understanding when i've got an understanding of exactly what they want then we can move forward but it's the it's really an an analogy of the old gp mm-hmm. they used to listen and they used to look at their client or their patient and my job is exactly the same. I have to listen to my client and I have to look at them. And sometimes I can't look at them because I, I, I talk to people way, you know, in Australia, New yes. Zealand. And if we have Skype, that's even better. Uh-huh. But I can tell by the nuances in their voice whether they are receptive to what I'm saying. And if they're not, I have to I ask why, you know, are you not comfortable with that? Okay, what would you be comfortable with? What about X? What about Y? We have to listen. We have to listen to our clients and and help them understand what is on the market and then help them choose what they are comfortable with. That's a great point to bring our conversation to a close, listening to what our clients want. I don't think that enough people in any industry, to be perfectly honest, actually listen to the genuine desires and concerns of consumers. We just assume that we know best. And quite a lot of the time, we don't, unfortunately. (laughs) Quite. (laughs) Susie, it's been fascinating to talk to you this morning. So much ground covered. PMI and the implications on that, critical illness and how that's developed. But the things that really interested me this morning was the extra mile that you go through for your clients, drawing upon your experience as a nurse over many years to give them that added value service. It's really interesting and really fascinating. But before we go, I always like to finish the Empath podcast off with a quick fire round of business questions. So these are really quick answers. What is the one thing that you change about the financial services industry if somebody gave you a magic wand to wave? Um, more approachable. What is the one business model, or it could be a product or a campaign, that's caught your attention in the last year? It might be from a competitor, but whatever it was, tell us what it was and what you liked about it. I think the provider that I'm thinking about is Aviva, where they brought in this health. Um, you, you you have to analyse um, how many how much exercise you take a day, uh-huh. um, what you're what you're eating, and that does have an impact on your premium the following year. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your working life. Skype. <laughs> and of course, that's how we're talking this morning. <laughs> What's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. Best business book? Uh, Well, I think it has to be the health insurance magazines, to be truthful. (laughs) Susie, it's been fascinating to talk to you this morning. I'm hoping that there are going to be people out there wanting to get in touch with you as a result of hearing you on the Empath podcast this morning. So what would be the best way that people should get in touch with you? Um, For those who are not very happy with email, um, on my telephone number, 01803 314 600. Fantastic. And the website? www.wchc.co.uk. 
And I'll include those contact details in the show notes for this page, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-P-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-P-A-F. Fantastic. Susie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Hopefully we can meet up at some stage in the future, probably as an awards ceremony, probably as you walk past on your way to collect yet another gong. <laughs> That's very kind of you, Roger. I think I might actually um, go in for it this year, but for the last few years, to be truthful, I've been too busy to, to take <laughs> part in it. <laughs> and it's been a pleasure talking to you at last because I've I've read many of your articles and, and followed you in the health insurance magazine. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay? <laughs>